Um, the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. We're in a series called Mirrors where we're talking about, we've been talking about what does it mean to be, re- reflect the image of God, being made in the image of God, and that we reflect the image of God by the, the fact that we can reason, we can create things, we can make choices, we can love, and that all is a reflection of God. But also, we know that we're distorted image bearers because of sin. And that Jesus came to be the perfect reflection of God, to show us what God was like, but to show us what humanity is, what we're going to be like. And so he is restoring us into that image. And one of the gauges, one of the things we can look at is the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those nine fruits of the Spirit are a direct reflection of who God is, the character of God. And so as he's restoring us, we're looking for these fruits to be produced by the Spirit as we're filled with the Spirit inside of us to reflect the nature of God. And so today, we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. And I realize that it's not a flashy subject. I want to be more gentle. (laughs) It's not a popular subject. Men, do you want to hear a a message on being gentle? Like, we want to talk about, you know, let's storm the castle. Let's, what are we doing? And yet, there's not maybe a more quality of Jesus, a characteristic of God, than there is of gentleness. And so, men, we need to hear this message. We all need to hear a message on what it means to be gentle. A couple scriptures from the Old Testament, they're not on your notes or on the screen, but about the gentleness of God that were prophetic about Jesus. Isaiah 40, verse 11 says, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. There's this gentleness about God. Jesus is the good shepherd, and he is the the great shepherd of of our souls, of our lives, and he carries us close to his heart. He gently leads us. And then in Zechariah 9.9, a prophecy that was fulfilled on the first Palm Sunday, the, the, the Sunday before Easter, when Jesus made his triumphal entrance into Jerusalem, where he was going to spend the last week of his life within the walls of Jerusalem. And you, you, it says, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt. If you remember that, Jesus fulfilled that prophecy as he came into Jerusalem. Gentle, riding on a donkey. So let's give a definition for gentleness. Gentleness is power under control. Or in other words, it's controlled strength. Gentleness is not weakness. It's not being timid. It is power under control. It's not like a little deer that's timid, or a rabbit, or, you know, even a little lamb. It's, it's something powerful under control. That's the picture you have to have in your mind. Let me give you a couple pictures. When, when water is out of control, it does this. That's a, you know, that would not be fun to be there. One drop of water doesn't scare us a whole lot. The faucet doesn't scare us a whole lot. But when that happens, that's power out of control. But then the next picture, that's gentleness. The dam is controlling that water, the power of what that water could do. If that dam were were to break, look out. 
we'd be the other picture. Here's another one. A horse, man, that is one of the most powerful animals, right? They're strong, and when they're wild, you better get out of their way, right? But then a tame horse is a beautiful animal. It's, a, it's, a, it's an animal, it's power under control. So when you think of gentleness, we get some big dudes in our church, right? And it's that picturing Joel Dennis, who is a big man with his little baby girl joy in his arms. It's, it's, it's that power under control, strength under control. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Gentleness is all over the New Testament. We're told over and over to be gentle towards one another. Um, pastors, one of the qualifications of being a pastor in 1 Timothy 3 is to not be a fighter or a brawler, but someone who's gentle. That doesn't always come natural for me. Not that I'm a fighter and a brawler, but I'm a reactor just like anybody else. But it's a qualification for pastors to be gentle. But you know what? It's for all of us. We're told throughout the epistles of the New Testament to be gentle towards one another. One synonym, a couple synonyms of gentle or gentleness is humility. Humbleness is, and gentleness go hand in hand. But the word meek is another word for gentle. As a matter of fact, in the, the NIV version says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What do you think of when you hear the word meek? We usually think of something that's somebody that's weak, but that is not what that word means. Meekness is not weakness, it's Christ-likeness. Meekness is not weakness, it is being like Jesus. It's power that's under control. It's anger under control. I won't have you raise your hand, but how many of us blow up in anger? How many of us lash out when we're frustrated or when we get angry? That's the opposite of gentleness. Controlling our anger, having emotional intelligence, having the ability to read somebody's heart beyond their behavior, beyond, beyond their, what they're acting out, and to see inside somebody's heart is being gentle, not having to be right all the time, not having to prove that we're right. Guilty, right? I, I want you to know I'm right, and I'll tell you why if you don't agree, right? That, that's just the way we are. We're wired that way. That's the opposite, though, of gentleness. Jesus is not timid. Jesus is not weak. I was thinking about this this week in the, in the nature of Jesus. He's all-powerful, right? He created the world, at, at his spoken world, his spoken word, <laughs> But when he, the night that he was betrayed, if you remember the story in the Gospels, the night that he was betrayed, he was in the garden, and the, the mob came to arrest Jesus. And it says they had swords and clubs, like they were coming you know, to arrest some you know, brutal criminal or something. And Jesus said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. And when he uttered the words, I am he, they all fell down. At just the spoken word of Jesus, I am he, boom, they all fell down. Jesus was showing them, listen, you're not taking my life. I'm laying my life down for you. You don't, no one takes my life. I am not, Jesus is not timid nor weak, but his power was, un, was, was under control. And he gave them a little taste of who they were trying to arrest by just saying, I am he, and boom, there they were on their back. So I, I thought of the Passion of the Christ, the movie, 
that came out years ago, and they do the scene where Jesus is before the religious leaders, and he says, tells them, you will see the Son of Man come in all his glory, and they punched him in the face. Somebody actually punched the Son of God in the mouth, and blood came out. He could have just spoke the word, and they had all been done for. And yet, Jesus is gentle. He's power under control. So how can you and I reflect God's gentleness? How do we uh, cooperate with the Spirit to produce the fruit of the Spirit, which is gentleness? The, I'm going to use the acronym MEEK because gentleness would have been way too many points, right? You, we would have been here till, till one. So we're going to use the acronym MEEK to remember how we can reflect his gentleness. And the, the, the M in meek is magnify the example of Jesus or mirror the example of Jesus. Jesus came in grace and truth. John chapter 1 says that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It's not one or the other with Jesus. He is the perfect embodiment of grace and truth. And, and, and learning to walk in grace and truth the way Jesus did in his example is to be gentle. It's learning how to control our anger, learning how to control our emotions like Jesus did. I said earlier that maybe today you're in one of those dry, you know, kind of weary, tired feelings in your life based upon circumstances, etc. Jesus gives an incredible invitation in Matthew 11. 28 through 30, right after he had just rebuked the religious leaders for their wrong way of trying to come to God through their, their legalism and so forth, Jesus looks to the crowd and he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Is that you today? Come to him. Take his invitation. And I will give you rest, he promises. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In John chapter 8, the first 11 verses, there's the story of the woman caught in adultery. You remember that story? The, the religious leaders over and over throughout the Gospels were trying to catch Jesus somehow disobeying the law of Moses, somehow going against their rules and regulations. And so they bring this woman who's caught in adultery before Jesus. And in the law of Moses, it said if somebody committed adultery, they were to be taken to the city gate, and the city people were to take rocks until that person died and throw rocks at them. It, it's there. So they bring this woman to Jesus, and they say, the law says that this woman should be stoned. What do you say? Thinking they had Jesus, you know, caught in a pickle here. And it says that, that Jesus... He, he leaned down and got on one knee, and he began to write or draw something in the sand. We don't know what, he, what it was that he did. But as he did that, he said, whichever one of you, they're holding rocks in their hands. He said, whichever one of you is without sin, cast the first stone. So he leans down, and he does that, and then he stands up, and, and one by one, they had haul, all had, had left the scene there. Because when he said, you, if you're without sin, go ahead, throw that rock. And they all left one by one. And Jesus stands up and he looks to the woman. He says, where are your, your accusers? Where are those who condemn you? And, it said, and she said, they've all left. And Jesus said, 
Well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Grace and truth. He showed her grace. He, he had every right to judge her, but he didn't. He showed her grace. That's our God. Our God is a gentle, graceful God who is always mercy first, right? And he told her the truth, though. He said, go and sin no more. Like, go find my kind of life by doing what, live the kind of life I've told you how to live. So go and sin no more. Grace and truth. Gentleness, if you want to think about this in your own life, gentleness is how you and I deal with broken people. Maybe it's in your family, it's a friend, it's a coworker. When someone's broken, it's, my gentleness will be evident on how I treat somebody whose life is broken. Jesus said in John 3, 17, that the Son of Man did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. He didn't come to pronounce judgment. He came to bring freedom, to bring grace and life to us broken folks. So when we've People who have experienced grace, people who have experienced the gentleness of God, I think tend to be gentle, graceful people as well. So think about your relationships, husband and wife, friendships, parenting, family, whatever it is, co-workers, magnify the example of Christ. Second thing, the first E in meek is to express consideration for others. Express consideration for others. How many know that we live in an inconsiderate, rude world? <laughs> we really do. This is not a, a place where people are quick to, to be considerate of one another. But God is considerate. We actually are told in, in Ephesians 4, 2, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Does that describe your driving? You're all like, uh, no. <laughs> Mine either, right? Let's be honest. I don't know why we always bring up driving, but I think driving is like the window to the soul. It's the window to our sanctification, like how we drive or play golf, you know, one of the two, but how do we react to that? Gentleness is gentleness has regard for people's feelings. It has regards for people's situations and circumstances. Gentleness is not quick to judge, but quick to help. Gent a gentle spirit, a quiet, gentle spirit is quick to help, quick to look past the trappings of somebody's brokenness into their life. Gentleness stops and expresses concern. I was thinking about this. Gentleness makes people feel protected. If, if any of you have ever been a parent and you're holding a little teeny you know, baby or if your kids are little, like when you're gentle, they feel protected, right? That's why God is gentle with us. Little kids need gentleness. They don't need us yelling and screaming and getting frustrated. They need us to be calm. They need us to be gentle with them. But here's the deal. You, you, we all have those people in our life that are broken. You know, and I, I say that, I'm not saying that in a, in a way that's trying to bash anybody, but there are broken people around us. We deal with, are around people who are hard to get along with. We are around people that maybe rub us wrong or whatever it is. You can't do for somebody what they need to do for themselves. 
We can't. We have to remind ourselves of that. You can't do for somebody what they have to do for themselves. But what we can do is ask God to give us eyes to see beyond people's behavior, to see into their life that maybe this person that's lashing out or this person that's hard to get along with, if you could really see into their heart, maybe they've had some experience in their life that just really wrecked them. Maybe there's something fear or worry going on that you need eyes to be able to see that. Gentleness does that. Gentleness is looking beyond circumstances. Gentleness doesn't create a a rigid environment. Gentleness doesn't create a demanding environment. When we're rigid and demanding, we're not being gentle. But when we're walking in true care for others, we're walking in grace, that's gentleness. So we magnify the example of Christ, express consideration for others, and then thirdly, exercise submission. Exercise submission. That's not an easy one. It's not. But we're told that one of the evidence of being filled with the Spirit, which is in um, Ephesians chapter 5, one of the evidence and means of being filled with God's Spirit is to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submission is intentionally coming under the authority and covering of somebody else. It's intentionally coming under somebody's authority and their, their covering. This needs to be worked at, right? Submission come easy for you? Yeah. It doesn't. It really very, very... The hard part about submission is if you're under the authority of someone who's not leading you well, it ticks you off. And you think, I'm not submitting to that person. I'm not going to come under their covering. They're a bad leader or whatever it is, that place of authority. I remember to my shame many, many years ago before I was a Christian, not that I have all the submission thing worked out. Don't, Don't get me wrong on that. But before I was a Christian, maybe you can relate to this. I hate rules that don't have any, don't make sense. I hate rules that micromanage me. I like rules that are there for people's safety and and all of that, but rules for rules' sake drive me nuts. Am I alone? Please raise your hand if you're with me. Okay, three of us, good. I'm in, I worked in a lumber yard and I was a forklift driver and this was in my early 20s and I would put lumber packs together at this place. And, and I had a boss that I didn't like a whole lot, but I worked hard. And prior to the, um, you know, experience that I had or the story that I'm telling you, I had just got a raise for my hard work. Good job working in the lumber yard. And this, in the wintertime, we would go get to work and punch the clock, and then we'd put on our coveralls to go out and stay warm. So you'd have to put on, in the summertime, you just punch the clock and you're off to work. But in the winter, we had to wear coveralls to stay warm. And the boss did not like that we would punch the clock and then put on our coveralls. He thought that was a waste of his time somehow. And he was kind of a micromanager, to be honest with you. And um, he told us that, and I thought, this is the stupidest rule. Nobody follow my lead on this, okay? And kids, pay attention. But I remember, I came in the next day after he made this rule, and I literally, like, looked down the hall, made eye contact with him, and went, cha-ching, 
and then put on my coveralls. And I got fired on the spot. I got fired on the spot. And I really was so mad and unsubmissive. I had this vision that I was going to go do like they do in the, you know, somebody's desk and just throw everything on the floor like in the movies or whatever. I didn't quite muster the courage for that. That would have been bad. I might have got arrested or something. But submission does not come natural for any of us. And, but learning how to walk in the spirit, having a gentle spirit, is when we learn what submission really is. Each one of us in here, first and foremost, are to come under the covering and authority of the Lord. He is the ultimate authority. He is our ultimate head. And then we are to, as the scriptures say over and over, come under the authority of those God has put in charge. So whether it's your parents, a teacher, a boss, spouse, it's, it's, and it's remembering that maybe it, we're, we're coming under the authority of imperfect people. So don't wait for whoever you're coming under their covering to be a perfect person because we're not submitting to a person, we're submitting to a position. Very, if you can separate position from person, then you can look beyond people's inability to lead or where they're not doing a great job and then learn how to be gentle. Jesus submitted his life to the Father. Though he was equal with God, he submitted himself to the Father. James 3.17 says that gentle people are submissive people. He says the wisdom that comes from hell, literally below, he says is unsubmissive, inconsiderate, not peace-loving, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, from above, is gentle and submissive. So magnify the example of Christ, express consideration for others, exercise submission, and then lastly, keep a teachable heart. Keep your heart teachable. Proverbs 12.1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. <laughs> I love the bluntness of the Bible. Whoever hates correction. Whoever's not teachable is stupid. Sheep are used over and over as an illustration of people, right? Sheep are very stubborn animals, and they're very dumb animals. We're just a bunch of dumb sheep is really over and over. We act like dumb sheep. We are stubborn. We, we tend to not like correction. We tend to not be teachable. We're prideful. I am prideful. God, little by little, is working that out of my heart, and he's working it out of yours, too. But to keep, just remember, you're just acting like a dumb sheep whenever you're not teachable or uncorrectable. So kids, when your parents are correcting you, be teachable. They actually know what they're talking about. If your boss has to correct you, stay teachable. In family and in friendship, stay teachable with one another. It says about Moses in, in Numbers uh, 12.3, which is funny because Moses wrote this, and it says, Moses was the meekest man who ever lived. <laughs> he wrote that about himself. It's funny to think about that. <laughs> He's the gentlest man who ever lived. Well, when you think about Moses' life, he had to be teachable because early in Moses' life, he saw a fellow Hebrew being abused by an Egyptian, and he killed the Egyptian. He did things outside of God's will all the time. God would tell him to do something a certain way and he would do it another. So he obviously had to be teachable. He obviously had to learn 
from his mistakes, right? Made me think this past, about a week ago, I went on this um, feel-good sports marathon, and we got the Disney app, and so I was going through Miracle and this, and got to remember the Titans. You remember that movie? I watched it for like the 45th time, and, and it's a movie I honestly know by heart, but I, I, when I was putting this together, it made me think of the time where the, the coach, the assistant coach, you know, the, the story is Denzel Washington takes over a prized high school football program in Virginia. They're doing race relations and integrating, you know, blacks and whites together. And so the head coach, who was a decorated coach, ended up becoming Denzel's assistant coach. He was the defensive coordinator. And in the championship game, his defense wasn't doing so good. And Denzel kind of uses his authority, says, you better get your defense together. I'm taking over. And the assistant coach kind of back-talked him and and said, uh, well, you just worry about your offense. It just got worse and worse for him. He wasn't teachable. And at halftime, they were given the speech, and he raises his hand, and he says, Coach, I'm getting my behind kicked out there. Will you help me? He gave a, showed a teachable heart. They ended up going on and, and winning the game. I don't know how much of that was Hollywood, but it sure was good as a feel-good sports movie and a great illustration for gentleness and what I'm talking about this morning, staying teachable. Are you teachable? I want us to take a, an inventory. We're going to go into communion here in just a minute. But if you were to look into your heart or allow God's spirit to look into your heart, take inventory, are you a gentle person? Are you teachable, submissive, considerate, looking to magnify the the example of Christ? I asked my wife, Janelle, if I was a gentle person. I'm not going to tell you what she said. Well, it, 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 I definitely didn't get an A+. Plus. It's the thing I love about my wife. She's honest. And your, your spouse or people closest to you, will, if they, you allow them to be honest, they will. And she said, you're gentle in a lot of areas, and there's some, some areas you're not gentle. And I took that to heart and been praying about it, like, Lord, where, where am I not gentle? For some reason, this message, putting it together, really hit, hit me. It hit me on who God is, how gentle he is with, with us, and how ungentle I can be. And for all of us to learn how to be gentle. So ask yourself the question, do you control your anger? Do you have to be right all the time? Those are the opposites of being gentle. Do we demand things of people? Do you have people who work for you? Are you gentle with the people you employ? Your kids? Lord, examine our hearts right now. You truly know, each one of us, what goes on in our minds and our hearts. And we declare this morning, Lord, that we want to be more like you and that we can do nothing in ourselves depend upon the Holy Spirit to be gentle people like you. Lord, where there's conviction in this room, let it be. Lord, I'm convicted and I want to say before you and my church family that I want to repent of not being gentle. I want to head in the right direction towards your spirit, towards your heart. Help all of us, Lord. As we depend upon you, 
we move into communion, I was thinking about what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3 about Jesus when he was on the cross. It says that while they were hurling their insults at Jesus, literally, I mean, he was so humiliated on the cross. And they were cussing at him and all the saying bad things and he's being mocked. It says he did not retaliate. Instead, he entrusted himself to God the Father. I'm a retaliator. I don't go looking for trouble, but if it finds me, I, I'm easy. It's easy for me to retaliate. Jesus doesn't retaliate. And uh, we want to be like that. As we take the, the bread and the cup this morning, let it be something that you find new strength in. If, if you're not sure whether you know Jesus Christ as Savior, by taking the bread by faith and taking the cup by faith, you're saying Jesus Christ gave his life for me that I could be forgiven and have new life. That's what you're saying by that action of taking the bread and taking the cup. Let's take it in faith today together as a family. So if you want to come and, and grab the bread, grab the juice, go back to your seat and we'll take it together as one. On the night Jesus was betrayed, the, the Last Supper, he was with his disciples, and he was telling them that he was going to have to suffer, and he was going to have to die, but that he would rise three days later. And he, he took bread, and he lifted it to heaven, and he, he blessed it, and he gave it to the disciples, and he said, take and eat this in remembrance of me, of my body that's going to be broken for you. Let's remember what Jesus did for us by taking the bread. It says in the same way after supper that Jesus lifted a cup of wine towards heaven and he blessed that. And he said that this wine represents my blood that's going to be shed for you the blood of the new covenant that the old way of relating to God through the sacrifice of animals and the law and all of that was going to be fulfilled in the sacrifice of Jesus entering this new relationship with God through the son of God and through what he did for us so by taking this cup today we're saying yes to his forgiveness we're, we're banking on everything that Jesus did for us our whole life, and we're doing that in remembrance of Him. Let's take the cup. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us, what you're doing for us now, and what you've promised to do in the future. We take a hold of that by faith. We love you. May each person in this room be blessed with a greater awareness of your presence and your gentleness and grace towards us. May we be people that reflect that. In Jesus' name, amen.